Welcome to the September Harvard Caps Harris Poll podcast. Uh, this week, I'd like to welcome Apple, Spotify, Google, and others who are beginning to pick up the podcast and distribute it to more and more listeners. Uh, if you've got any feedback or want to follow uh, follow any developments, go to at Mark underscore pen underscore polls uh, for updates. And with that, let's launch in to this month's poll that is was fielded September 22nd to September 24th, 2019, with 2,009 registered voters, uh, making this an important and timely poll, given everything that's going on today. So what's happening with the job approval of President Trump, given all of the chaos and issues and the partisan fights that we're seeing over impeachment? Well, this poll was taken just before the formal inquiry really was announced, but during the buildup and already uh, information out about the whistleblower. So given all that, or would we have expected a significant change in President Trump's job approval? We might have, but that's not what we saw. What we've seen over the last couple of months, May, June, July, August, September, is a creeping back up of President Trump's approval this month at 46% approve, 54% disapprove. Uh, I looked at a number of other polls out there, sort of the similar trend that he was until hit with a full-scale impeachment and the imbroglio over the whistleblower complaint. He was trending up. We'll see what happened next month and whether or not he, in fact, drops to the bottom of the range, which we've seen before after incidents like this breakout. Specifically, let's take a look at some of his job approval on some of the most uh, important areas of the presidency. His highest approval is for stimulating jobs, 55%. The economy, 54%. Fighting terrorism, 52%. Immigration, 47 Approval on foreign affairs, 43 And administering the government, 44 If you kind of look at the trend data, he's actually doing a little bit better on administering the government. Stayed about the same range on foreign affairs. Stayed about the same range on immigration. Fighting terrorism, uh, a little off highs, which were uh, as strong as 56%. And stimulating jobs, also down from the high of 62 to 55%. So still a significant majority approving of the job that he's doing on the economy, but off the highs that we had when 3.2% growth was announced. Right track, wrong track of the country. 37% see the country as the right track, 55% uh, wrong track. No real change in this question, been stable for the last three or four months. Right track, wrong track on the economy, 44% right track, 44% wrong track. Uh, we have seen this kind of fluctuate significantly. Uh, this is, again, towards the lower end of the range. Right track was as high as 51% last March and April when those great growth figures came out. Been trending down each month, came up just slightly in the last, in the last month. 
So they still approve of the job being done on the economy, but with all of the talk about recession, some people became less certain as they were several months ago about the success and strength of this economy. You see the same thing in the question, how strong do you think the U.S. economy is today? Uh, the percentage that sees it strong, 66%, uh, is again, same as last month, 34% see it as weak. Uh, again, fairly stable, but down from the high of 74%. So you've really seen, you started out the administration, it was 61%, went as high as the mid-70s, back to the, to, the, to the high 60s. So a lot of the economic enthusiasm has come a little bit you know, off of the edge, although anything over 50% has got to be more helpful to someone who's sitting there with a, with a job approval uh, below 50%. Would you say your own personal financial situation is improving, uh, which was 36%, getting worse, 36%, just as, as well off, um, oh, sorry, getting worse, 25%, and just as well off, 36%, and no opinion around 5%. Again, not a lot of change here, trending down from the highs, but still about in the same range that it has been the big jump up in improving happened really in the Christmas season of, of 2017 and has stayed up pretty much there with, with something over a third really seeing their economics continuing to improve uh, and really only about 25% uh, seeing their economics uh, get worse. And again, that's up from 21% a few months ago. Now, interestingly, we have seen for a number of months that the approval of the Republican Party was slightly lower than the approval for the Democratic Party, that the Democratic Party had an edge. And when you look at this month's polling, it's a little bit different. Let's look at the Republican Party approve-disapprove. 43% approve, 57% disapprove. Now, note those numbers are slightly lower than President Trump's. Let's go over to the Democratic Party. 43% approve, 57% disapprove. The gap that had emerged in the midterms has totally disappeared. Both parties are at exactly the same image. Uh, and that means that, if anything, momentum of the last couple of months has shifted away from the Democrats to more of a parity between the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, and at the same time, uh, for all the controversy of President Trump, his ratings are slightly higher than the ratings of either party. And just remember, this is a country in which a majority of the people don't like the Democrats, don't like the Republicans, and don't like the president. And that's what makes the political situation as volatile as it is. Let's take a look at, at personal favorabilities. Barack Obama now has clearly established himself in the ranks of former presidents above politics. He's at 59% favorable, 35% unfavorable. Joe Biden was in those ranks, and the more he's in a campaign, the closer his numbers get. He's now at 48% favorable, below 50 that he was trending, 
42% unfavorable. Bernie Sanders has always been well-liked, particularly with younger voters, 48% favorable, 43% unfavorable. Trump is at 41.55. Elizabeth Warren is at 40.41, slightly more negative than positive. Mike Pence, 40.46. Hillary Clinton, 38.56. Look at that. On election day, Hillary had the same numbers as Trump. Today, her numbers are lower than Trump's by three or four points. Kamala Harris has not had a good couple of months here. Uh, she's at 35% favorable, 41% unfavorable. At the end of the day, her attempt to bring down Biden seems to have backfired and instead brought down her ratings. Nancy Pelosi is at 3450. Uh, those, are, those are obviously not great ratings, but since no one likes Congress, no one likes any of the leaders of Congress. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is at 31. Schumer is at 28. And Mitch McConnell at 25%. So, again, no one likes Congress. No one likes the Democrats. No one likes the Republicans. And no one likes any of the leaders of Congress outside of their own parties, where they can be extremely popular. But they all represent highly partisan figures in a sea of partisanship out there that is testing the will of the public. Most important issues, immigration, number one, 35%. Healthcare, number two. The fact that immigration has moved up as dramatically as it has and stayed there uh, is important. It's, it's what the president has been pushing as the most important issue. The Democrats did very well in the midterms when healthcare was the number one issue. But guns has come way up at 28%. National security remains strong at 24%. And climate change and the environment, 23%. And that is actually tied with economy and jobs. A typical pattern, when economy and jobs are good, it falls from the most important issue. And then you have the paradox of, of, of presidents or administrations that do well with economy and jobs then can't really run on their success because the issues have shifted to, to other issues such as immigration, healthcare, guns, uh, climate change. But it looks like the, the issue platforms are really being driven a little bit more by the Democrats, though Trump is driving immigration, national security, and economy and jobs. Let's turn to the 2020 primary. Uh, I think that's almost taken a back seat to all of the other news that's going on, but there's no question in our poll, just like the other polls out there, Elizabeth Warren has become the one to watch. Joe Biden continues to hang on to his lead at 28%, down from the low 30s over time here. He has very strong vote among senior Democrats and among African-American Democrats. But Elizabeth Warren has been broadening her constituency. She really does very well with uh, well-educated uh, progressives. She is almost the elite candidate, but she's growing and she's trying to broaden her base and she's trying to eat into the more youthful base that Bernie Sanders has had since Bernie Sanders was the first to really introduce the idea of free college out there on the stump the last time he ran. Kamala Harris at 6%, Mayor Pete at 3%, no one else really getting uh, above 3%. So you, you, this, this race really has telescoped 
to three, four, maybe five candidates. Uh, I don't see Yang or O'Rourke really breaking out of their base. There's a, a lot of organized youth support, I think, for Mayor Pete. Uh, Kamala Harris will have some good opportunities in California, and the strength of her organization will be tested. I think she still has to come back from her debate performances that have, have set her back from the initial attack on Joe Biden. Uh, Bernie Sanders, again, a little weaker this time out than people thought. Warren, the one who's on the move. And Biden, uh, the, despite everyone throwing everything at him, has so far been able to hold on to his lead. 61%, however, are underwhelmed uh, with the slate of candidates. And it's still technically possible for a Bloomberg or a Hillary Clinton to jump back in here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Hillary Clinton's more active on the stump, and, and Bloomberg certainly had considered running before, and he might well consider it again. That's the thing about Democratic primaries, just as when you think you know how they're going to come out. Uh, uh, events can overtake what your predictions are and shake the whole race up. Uh, in this case, though, no one is getting close to 50%. Um, you have to watch closely Biden and whether or not he continues to erode and whether Warren can break out from the from the 17% she's now garnered. Biden is definitely uh, seen in the mid-30s, 34%, as the candidate who has the best chance of winning against Donald Trump. That sinks to 12% for Sanders, 11% for Warren. No one else gets a significant vote on that. I don't know. You know, it's always an interesting question. Whoever gets the nomination, by definition, has the best chance of beating President Trump. And we've seen in the past some really uh, that this question has been off. A lot of people thought McCain would, would, and Romney would both put uh, put in very strong races uh, against President uh, Obama and really didn't turn out to be the case. Other candidates might have been stronger. No one thought really Donald Trump was a strong enough candidate to defeat Hillary Clinton. Uh, right now, uh, Donald Trump continues to underperform in terms of having a solid base for re-election. He's at 38% definitely or probably vote for Trump. Um, you know, for someone uh, at this point coming in an incumbent with such a strong economy, that is a troublesome performance for Trump. Uh, it shows that he's got some significant vulnerabilities. Uh, the percentage that will probably or definitely vote for a Democrat, though, is at, is at 44, so still not close to a majority, but it means that Trump would have to take most of the independent voters, most of the undecided, uh, to catch up there, which means that this is mostly about Donald Trump versus Donald Trump at this point. Uh, for several months, we've been comparing uh, potential Democratic issue slates, uh, particularly the more progressive issue slate, uh, against the Trump issue slate, and then breaking out these kind of sandwiches of issues that we've put together uh, to see the individual elements. So just as a, a sandwich somehow uh, is not just the sum of its parts, uh, we take a look both at the entire sandwich and then we take a look at the lettuce and the tomato individually and see how they factor in. So on the one side, we asked a president, which candidate are you more likely to vote for? 
a presidential candidate who stands for the Green New Deal on climate change, Medicare for all, free college tuition, opening our borders to many more immigrants, and raising taxes to pay for these programs. 42% would favor a candidate with those issue positions. Now on the other side, a presidential candidate who stands for lower taxes and reduced government regulations, strengthening our military, strengthening our border to reduce illegal immigrants, standing up more to China and Iran, and seeking better trade deals for the U.S. That issue slate got 58%. So I don't think the first one will necessarily be where Democrats come out. We will play with different issue slates and different issue sandwiches in the coming months. Uh, then we broke out the individual issues, and there was surprisingly strong interest in better trade deals. 88% were interested in that. Lowering taxes, not a surprise that that would be so high. Standing up to China and Iran, surprised that that really came up number third, so is strengthening the military. Uh, reducing government regulations, also popular. But if you look then at the core Democratic proposals, particularly those coming a little bit more from the progressive candidates, Green New Deal liked at 65%, but lower than than uh, seeking better trade deals and lowering taxes. Medicare for all, uh, 61%. Free college tuition, uh, 57%. Opening up borders to more immigrants was disfavored, right, by 61%. Raising taxes to pay for these programs, also disfavored by 63%. So the Democrats had the lower producing issues, even if they had some popularity, and, and then also had two real uh, issues that set them back, raising taxes and opening the borders to more immigrants. And so that makes the other issue platform considerably stronger, and it means that a Democrat who runs will have to take back some of those planks, such as standing up to China and Iran or strengthening our military, and can't really cede all of these key issues uh, to the Republican, not if they're going to run on issues. But elections aren't always about issues. Sometimes they're about character, personality, and values. And here's where Trump is weak. When you think of Donald Trump, do you like or dislike him personally? 29% like him personally, 60% dislike him, 11% unsure. I don't know how you're unsure of that question. But uh, that figure of 29% is, is really... Uh, the, the albatross around uh, Donald Trump's neck is particularly the image that he has conveyed uh, as it's come out through social media, which is most of the interactions that people have in messaging, as we've seen a lot of people want to see him tweet less, that has, has generated a divisive image uh, with some of the other issues that circulate around his character. And so despite the good economy, this question is one that I've never seen, you know, for a major candidate who could win be as low as it is and represents a significant issue or problem for the president. So then we asked people about whether or not they felt more comfortable with centrist candidates or those to the left or the right. I mean, if you turn on your TV, it seems like on TV, everybody wants somebody from the left if you tune into one channel. And everybody wants somebody from the right if you tune in another channel. 
but neither of those channels seem to be the channel of America. Whatever political party you happen to belong to, do you think you are more to the left than most members of your party, more to the right, or about in the middle? 61% said, hey, they're more in the middle. But the most important question, and probably the most important new question in the poll is, personally, do you want to vote for a presidential candidate who is more to the right, more to the center, or more to the left? 61% said more to the center. 26% said more to the right. And 13% said more to the left. Uh, that is an incredible number of voters saying what they really want is a centrist candidate for president. And that doesn't seem to be what's being served up to them, despite what they really strongly want to see. And it is the contrast between the divisiveness and partisanship that we see every day and the genuine sense and heart of the American people. Let's take a deeper dive into some of the economic numbers and see what Americans think the future is going to hold. Six months from now, do you think that we're going to be in a recession? 42% think that. 35% think that it's going to be the same as now. And 24% think it's going to be improving. So depending upon how you look at it, there's 59% that think it's going to be as good if, and, as it is now, if not better, and 42% who are more pessimistic about the outcome of the economy. If we ask them to rate the strength of the economy today on a, on a 0 to 10 scale, almost no one says 0, 1, 2, or 3, pretty low numbers. Not that many people say 10, only 5% say 10. Uh, and if you look at it, most people are in the five, six, seven, eight range, which means they think the economy is good to very good. How would you rate business conditions today? Very good, 14, good, 32, normal, 37, bad, 15, very bad, only two. So only 17% think business conditions are bad or very bad, uh, which is a, a pretty good number for for conditions, remember the American public doesn't never go over the top about the economy, but these ratings are all consistent with the view of the economy as in, as in very good shape. Would you say jobs in the United States today are plentiful? 47%, not so plentiful, 39 hard to get, 14 uh, That's a pretty great number on plentiful. I, I don't think I've ever seen Americans think of jobs as plentiful on that large a scale. And then in general, we ask them, are you concerned or not concerned that there'll be an economic recession in the next six months? 55% have some concern. 46% uh, have no concern. Just another way of, answer, of asking that question. There's somewhere between 42% and uh, and, and this, number of 40, of, uh, of this number of 55% of people who are concerned, have heard the recession message, and are thinking, well, what, what will that occur? And we haven't seen any actions in the consumer marketplace so far that indicate that people are acting this way, uh, but we're going to keep a very close watch. So would you say that business conditions in the U.S. in the six months will be better, worse, or the same? Uh, the same 41, better 22, worse 37. Would you say there will be more, fewer, or about the same number of jobs in six months? Again, very similar pie. 
same 38, fewer 36, more 26. There's about consistently around 36%, that 37% that are showing a very high level of pessimism and the rest being relatively optimistic. Finally, do you expect your income to increase, decrease, or remain the same in the next six months? 56% remain the same, 27% increase, 17% decrease. Now, this is an interesting question because it shows that people are more confident about their own incomes in the next six months than they are about the rest of the economy. And I've always found that uh, personal confidence is really the most important driver of attitudes towards the economy uh, and how people really act in their own lives as opposed to what they think the macro environment is, which tends to be driven much more by the stock market, news events, uh, and, and what they hear in their, in their community. Who do they blame for the recent volatility in the stock markets and fears of a new economic recession? U.S.-China trade tensions. They are very surprisingly well-informed about that. Trump's announcements uh, are second. Troubles from other economies are third. Do you approve or disapprove of Trump's criticism of the Federal Reserve? 55% disapprove. But people think that the Federal Reserve should not just focus on monetary policy, but on fostering growth. Uh, and in the mix of things with the U.S. trade uh, negotiations going on, uh, with President Trump's pressure on the Fed, uh, President Trump owns the economy. And when you ask who would you blame if the U.S. economy enters a recession next year, 54% Trump, 35% the Fed, only 11% other. He gets possibly not all of the benefit of a good economy, but he certainly will get the downside of a bad one. Now let's take a look at the immigration polling. 72% continue to support comprehensive immigration reform. Right? They favor a deal which brings together all of these elements of stronger security, eliminating the lottery, uh, 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 giving uh, green cards or, or work permits to those who are here under DACA. Uh, and, and so it, we see once again that a majority of the American public supports an across-the-board compromise on the immigration issues as month after month, nothing moves through Congress. Uh, people are divided between, is it more important to uh, stick with the relative or family-based system we have versus a more merit-based? And But they do agree that there is a growing humanitarian and security crisis at the border with Mexico, 56%. It's rather puzzling that the Senate, including Republican senators, keep voting to uh, take back the emergency declaration when most of the people in the United States have come to see that there is, in fact, an emergency at the border, in their view. They still uh, considerably underestimate uh, the, the number of people crossing the border uh, illegally, and about 53% think Barriers would be ineffective. 48% think that barriers uh, would, be, would be effective. But 67% believe that our current security is, is inadequate. And 77% reject the idea of open borders. So when you, when you look at it, Americans have a very sophisticated view of, of immigration. They, they know 
how they want it to work. They don't want open borders. They want compassion for the for the people that are that are here. They want some combination of barriers and other techniques uh, to to really kind of uh, create an a, an effective border and to diminish the problem. Uh, but if I ask, do you support or oppose building a combination of physical and electronic barriers across the U.S.-Mexico border? 60% support that. And do you think increased illegal immigration reduces wages to workers, increases them, or has no effect? 42% no effect, 46% reduces, and 12% say they, they increase it. So what you've got is 46% who think that it is bringing down wages, and, and they are the counterforce here that makes this such a complex and difficult issue. Uh, when asked about crime, 50% believe that illegal immigration increases crime, 41% no effect, 9% reduces it. When it comes to the rules on asylum seekers, 47% think that those rules should be general, allowing people who are fleeing violence to claim as asylum here in the United States, while 53% believe that only those fleeing religious or political violence specifically aimed at them should be able to declare asylum. And 45%, not a full majority, but 45% think that the asylum rules should be tightened, 25% loosened, and 31% kept as is. As you can see what a difficult issue it is, and how close the numbers are on immigration, on issue after issue. But should people with questionable asylum claims be let into the United States for years until their case comes up? Or should they immediately be turned back to Mexico for staging? Here is where the president has an advantage on this issue. 61% say should be immediately turned back. 39% say should be let into the United States. So they prefer compassion. They are divided on what the exact asylum rules should be, but they do think that having people come in, claim a false asylum, if that's what they're doing, and be held here uh, in the United States for years doesn't make a lot of sense compared to holding them in Mexico or other countries. Now let's take a look at people's perceptions of bias in the media. Well, who do you trust more, President Trump or the media? Well, that's a tough question uh, because both the media and the president have very low levels of trust. So I think we're going to have to maybe throw out some interesting questions and rate them separately from now on. But only 44% uh, trust President Trump over the media and 56% trust the media more than President Trump. A clear win if you compare the two for the media. Do you think, how do you think the media has treated uh, Trump so far? 57% say fairly, and 44% say unfairly. Again, you win for the media over President Trump. They look at the strident language, I think, coming from the president about the media, and while he's got substantial numbers of people, around 44%, siding with him, a majority on the side of the media. And I think a big reason why is exactly this question. Do you think President Trump is helping or hurting his re-election case with his tweets? 74% hurting, 26% helping. 
Do you think President Trump should continue to tweet or stop tweeting? 69% stop, 31% continue. We started to ask this about two months ago, and it's one of the few issues on which Democrats and Republicans uh, and voters across the board uh, uh, agree. So the, the president may be getting a tremendous uh, value out of uh, communicating through uh, Twitter and his tweets, but in many respects, the way that they're positioned and the way they come off has backfired against him uh, and is seen as a critical element of why Americans are concerned about the way he runs the presidency and what his character and values are. Now, let's break this apart into some interesting agree-disagree statements. There's a lot of fake news on social media. Well, virtually everyone agrees with that, 84%. Sometimes it's hard to know what news to believe online. Mm, that's over 80. Sometimes it's hard to know what news to believe in the mainstream media. Mm, that's 74. There's a lot of fake news in the mainstream media. That is 67. So when you break out the mainstream media, uh, when you break out the mainstream media and don't contrast it with President Trump, the mainstream media's ratings are quite low here. Many journalists intentionally post fake news or false information on social media, 59%. Now, once you get to many of my friends post fake news, that drops to 16% strongly and a total of 50%, still a high number. Uh, giving the journalists the benefit of the doubt accidentally is a lower number, and talking about the friends intentionally posting fake news is a lower number. Truth is there's overall concern about the news that's in social media, and there's concern that even the information coming from the mainstream media is often fake or exaggerated based on what we see in these questions. It may seem like a long time ago, but it was just a <laughs> just about a week or two ago that uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh faced uh, faced a considerable storm uh, over some new allegations uh, during his early college years uh, at a party. Do you support or oppose Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court? Split right down the middle. Uh, or did you, uh, I think that question asked, did you in the past, supporters split down the middle, 52 said they opposed it, 48% opposed. Have you heard anything about these new allegations? 63% said they heard it. Uh, do you think these allegations are true? Uh, what you had is uh, 30, 45% saying they're, they're true or probably true. 29% probably not true, and 26% saying unsure. Um, so you saw the the news uh, kind of break here a little bit against the justice, more people believing it's true, but then when you ask them are you aware or not aware that Kavanaugh's alleged victim said to the reporters and friends uh, of hers, uh, actually is what it was, that she does not have any recollection of it, uh, 51% were not aware that the alleged victim had said to her friends that she was unaware of or could not recall any such incident. So a lot of the information on this and, and would be less than fully informed, and there was a brouhaha over the omission of that fact in the original New York Times story. So 
Then when you when you say, do you think that the alleged victim saying she does not have any recollection of sexual harassment disqualifies this allegation, the numbers completely flip around. 56% say it disqualifies it. 44% say it does not disqualify it. Do you think the New York Times was right or wrong not to report the alleged victim said she doesn't have any recollection of a sexual harassment when it broke in the news of a new allegation? 26% say that the New York Times was right. 46% say the New York Times was wrong. 28% were unsure. So pretty significant fact, that single fact turns around opinion uh, almost uh, 180%. So it's, it's important. Do you think this is an isolated incident or is it selected and biased reporting on the rise? Selective and biased reporting on the rise, 62%. Isolated incident, 38%. Uh, which party uh, is using today more unfair and negative political tactics, Democrats or Republicans? No winner or loser here. 52 Republicans, 48 uh, Democrats. Uh, so basically, remember... People don't like either party going into this. But the media is also under severe pressure here. Uh, and you look at this as kind of a microcosm. Story has tremendous pickup, tremendous visibility. And the single most important fact that might disqualify it turns out to be known by far fewer people. And once it is introduced, dramatically changes opinion. Well, given the... Uh, Given the attack on Saudi Arabian oil facilities, we did some polling on Iran this month. First, we really start out, do you consider each of the following an ally, an enemy, or neutral towards the United States? We polled on Iran, Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, NATO, the European Union. The European Union, 58%, say is an ally. Not an overwhelming number, not 90%. NATO, 51%. So clearly, there are a lot of people who believe that our, quote, allies are maybe not allies, but more neutral in dealing with us. Turkey, uh, seen more as neutral than an ally. Uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, seen a little bit, 24% as an ally, 41% as an enemy. China, 13% ally, 51% enemy. Russia, 10, 63. But Iran has the top spot as an enemy or perceived enemy of the United States. 6%, I don't know who the 6% would be, see it as an ally. 76% see it as an enemy. Do you think Iran is a peaceful force in the Mideast? No. 81% say that it contributes to conflict and instability. 69% say the government of Iran does not have the support of its people. 83% say Iran is run by a group of religious leaders and is not a working democracy. Uh, nevertheless, do you approve or disapprove of the, of the government, the way handling of Iran? Uh, 53 disapprove, 47 approve. Do you think President Trump is too tough? Uh, too tough is 22%, too lenient 40%, just right 38%. So if anything, more people say that Trump could be a little tougher against the Iranians. Uh, they support tougher action, but they're measured in their response. And it's really important to understand how measured. They 72% support additional sanctions, right? And they 58% support 
sending a moderate number of troops and air and missile defenses to Saudi Arabia. So they're into more sanctions, more missiles, more defenses. Uh, do they think they were going to get into a war? 29% uh, think it's low, 34% think it's high. 64% would not want to see another U.S.-led military engagement in the Mideast. And 71% think that the United States should continue to negotiate diplomatically, and there was more news coming out every day about potential meetings with the Iranians uh, and potential negotiations. They, only 29% would like to see a military strike. And they would oppose it. I mean, what they're really saying is if they continue to attack Saudis or Saudi installations, that the United States should not be the actor responding. It would be Saudi Arabia. Uh, and would you support or oppose the U.S. government launching a military strike on Iran if, if Iran attacks U.S. military assets? Then it all changes. This, this question is a strong warning to Iran, Iran, which is don't go after U.S. assets because then it flips around 73% would then support a retaliatory strike. Um, and then about half the country would support uh, a, an, an attack on Iran if they announced they had nuclear weapons. So you see that Iran is viewed as the most important, most implacable enemy uh, against the United States, but that the public wants a very nuanced, moderated view to do not want to have a rush to war given what has happened in the past. As the, as the Ukraine situation was developing, we managed to get here some of the earliest data just before the full release uh, of all the materials and of the whistleblower complaint. Uh, we were able to capture what the American public was thinking. First, we asked them, have you heard anything involving issues related to the investments of Joe Biden's son? About half had. Uh, we asked them, in contrast, had they heard about President Trump and Giuliani wanting the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden and his son over these investments, 58% had. So actually pretty good recognition that, that, that Joe Biden's son and Joe Biden might have an issue in here, which is what the President Trump has been pushing. Larger recognition of what President Trump and Giuliani had been doing to push Ukraine on the subject. Do you think it was appropriate or inappropriate for President Trump to raise questions about investigating Joe Biden with the president of the Ukraine? No. Inappropriate. 58% went that way. They don't even think Rudy Giuliani, as the president's lawyer, should be raising these questions. 56% said it was inappropriate. Then we asked, was it right for someone in the intelligence community right, to leak the details uh, uh, and file this kind of report as they were leaving government, 53% said they thought that was inappropriate. And when asked whether or not they thought the former intelligence official was trying to expose a problem of playing politics to hurt Trump, 50% thought that they were trying to play politics to hurt Trump, 50% exposed a real problem. So there's a lot of cynicism and doubt towards everybody here, the president, Giuliani, uh, concern about the Biden issue, concern about the so-called whistleblower. Do you think the, 
that Trump, the Trump administration should send Congress the full complaint and the text of his call with the president of the Ukraine or hold it back on the grounds they need to remain private. Here, the president made the decision to get all the material out, and 65% of the public said that's exactly what they wanted to see happen, and it did. Uh, and then we asked two slightly different questions. Do you think that just asking the president of the Ukraine for help in investigating the actions of Joe Biden and his son, if that occurred, would be an impeachable offense or not impeachable? 55% said not impeachable, 45% impeachable. We generally have seen people wanting to impeach President Trump at around 40% uh, percent all throughout the Mueller investigation. So 45 represents a slightly higher number, but 55% is also a clear rejection, even if that's the fact. Now, changing the phrasing to, do you think that pressuring the president instead of asking of the Ukraine for help, just that difference in investigating the actions of Biden moves to 50-50. And that doesn't mean overwhelming support or bipartisan support for impeachment, but it means significant support for impeachment. So this whole issue of whether or not it was asking and raising the topic or pressuring and holding up a fundraiser is, is an important one uh, and also one that one side, the Democrats, will want to push to pressuring and the other side, the president, will want to push to asking and people will judge for themselves. But it's still not an overwhelming number or consensus for removal from office. Uh, and, and these numbers will be watched as the story unfolds. Now, on the other hand, the story that's been, that's been pushed here, do you think that in, in asking the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden, Trump was trying to expose a real problem, 47, play politics, 53? Again, not an overwhelming answer on either side. Let's look at whether Joe Biden's actions were appropriate. Joe Biden is on tape saying that when he was vice president, he withheld over a billion dollars of American aid from the Ukraine until they would fire a prosecutor, which they did. Do you think it was appropriate or inappropriate for Biden to have done that? Now, in this question, we don't mention any controversial connection with investments, just the action that Biden took of withholding it to get a prosecutor fired. 61% say that activity was inappropriate. 39% say it was appropriate. And then we, we said, look, Biden says he was just getting rid of a corrupt prosecutor. Trump and Giuliani say that he was trying to hide uh, or get rid of a prosecutor investigating uh, Biden's son over his investments. Do you think this matter should be investigated further? 57% say yes, investigated further. 69% were unaware that Biden's son and... Uh, Kerry's stepson had an investment company uh, gathering uh, investments from foreign countries like this. Then, if, but if you take a look back, you know a lot of people say, "Well, uh, it doesn't look like Biden said did anything legal being appointed to the board of this uh, illegal being appointed to the board of this energy company in the Ukraine." Uh, and and in the Ukraine, they may not have laws that would make that illegal. They may not have the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act that would make giving a thing of value to a, a government uh, official's son or spouse would be perceived that way. So many people can say that that absolutely nothing was done that, quote, broke a law in the Ukraine. But that's different about the appearance. 
here. And when we ask the general question, do you think it is appropriate or inappropriate for the children of political figures to solicit foreign investments in and from places like the Ukraine and China, 75% said it was inappropriate. Uh, that is a very strong number, and it indicates whether or not you think this is a, a, an issue that really concerns Biden's son or not. It's an issue generally when partners and relatives are able to uh, solicit investments as a result of their connections with government officials and whether or not that isn't a significant loophole from a public policy point of view. I think the question shows it is. Then more specifically, do you think it was appropriate or inappropriate for Joe Biden's son to travel with the then vice president on official trips to places like China while he was soliciting investments in those countries? 77% say it was inappropriate. So as you can see, the American public finds almost everything by everyone here, President Giuliani, uh, the so-called uh, whistleblower or complainant, uh, Biden's son, it finds the whole thing inappropriate uh, and, and a mess. And that shows you the frustration with the American public of what's going on in politics and how they want things uh, cleaned up. So that is, uh, that is the full review of, of this month's poll. Uh, I think that the poll shows uh, Americans in a continued state of division, division and reflection. Uh, they see the economy as good. The president's ratings were trending up slightly before all the controversies broke up, but they don't like the Republicans, the Democrats, or the president, and find all of these uh, you know, investigations and what's been going on. Well, on the one hand, they want to see them. On the other hand, they want to see more investigations of everything, but they're they right now are not in a mood, if the president was just asking uh, the Ukraine for help, to see him impeached. But on the other hand, they find his actions and the actions of virtually everyone uh, around these foreign investments and issues to be inappropriate. Uh, and that, I think, drives today's public opinion. Thank you. So, and... Uh, Please, if you want to see the full poll for yourself, make your own judgment. We release everything, all crosstabs, all questions. Just go to the harvardharrispoll.com and, and sign up to have the next summary of the poll delivered right to your inbox. You know, I hope you'll like my analysis, but we disclose everything. Be your own judge of the questions. Write your own. Uh, be a good poll consumer. That's what this poll is all about, looking at every issue from every side, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you.